This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Hey now, Semper Fi, welcome into our third and final hour of Sports Talk, or excuse me, Tiger Tailgating Show, brought to you by Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Herb Tyler, Christian Garrick, coming up after our break, Jimmy Smith of TigerDetails.com will join us, breaking down LSU and McNeese tonight at 7 p.m. right here on WWL and Herb, during the break there, I was uh, munching on an MRE just because I can and because I, I have a couple. And um, man, I can make a gourmet meal out of an MRE. You ever had one? Oh man, I've made several different gourmet meals out of those during Katrina. Those are the best. Okay, well, tell you you tell me. I want to hear what, what what you what you can do. I mean, I, it just depends on what you know what kind it is, and you add a little toners to it. It's all good. Oh no! I, no, you gotta, you gotta. It's gotta be all nothing outside of the MRE container that you can add to it. So, I'll give you a little trick. Okay. So if you get that, first off, you don't ever let anybody try to bet you that you can eat the crackers, two crackers that you get in MRE in two minutes because you can't do it. Even, even with water, it's it's a challenge. So anyway, okay. we we tried okay. that. We did that stuff in the military. Um, you take that jalapeno cheese, not jalapeno. We call it jalapeno cheese. All right, you, and you stick it in your heater a little bit because it, it comes with a heater, and it just softens it up, makes it easier to spread. And look, for example, I've got a chili one right now, so I'm not gonna put the, the jalapeno cheese on the crackers in the traditional way. The traditional way, I'm putting a little of that cheese in the chili, yep. mm-hmm. okay, and using the crackers to kind of dip into the chili and eat that eat it that way so there's there it is there's there's my professional mre eating cooking tip well i like it um i'll probably try that when i get another one i don't have any so i have to you know um i have to obtain one and then i'll see what's going on but you know just so you know i might you know my one of my nicknames is you know my, my real nickname is herb teasy you know that i'm off the easy one of my other nickname is chef bar or herb teasy so, because I'm a great chef, right? I can cook all kinds of different things. And one of my secret weapons, and I'm going to just tell you this one, and I'm not going to give you anything else, is Tony Saturated. <laughs> that fixes everything, huh? You know, you know, it just, you know, it just makes everything a little bit better. Now, that's just one, right? And then you have to know the correct amount to put in whatever you're cooking, though, because you can't, you can over-season it, right? You can put, too, it can be too salty or... Well, not it, it just you know it can make it not what it's supposed to be take away from the flavor of whatever you're actually cooking. So, but just so you know, that's just one thing, and the microwave helps a lot too. Just so you know. Wait, wait, wait! You microwave? What are you microwaving? 
It doesn't matter, whatever it is. You can put it in the microwave. This thing is amazing. It just makes everything just hot instantly. It doesn't take long at all, man. I'm telling you, it's the wonderful thing. I just found out about this thing about 12 years ago. Okay, I'll take your word for it. That didn't sound too appetizing, Herb. I'm being honest with you, man. If you're just talking about Tony Sasseries and throwing things in the microwave, now here I am eating an MRE, which I probably shouldn't be because they're loaded with sodium and I got high blood pressure, so I um, probably should stay away from it. But nonetheless, they're actually, you know, people think MREs are just downright gross. They're actually not bad. In fact, they've come a long way even since since I was in 20 years ago. They were good 20 years ago, but they're even better now. I don't know. Just I can imagine that how, how how much better they are now than they were when I was eating them during Katrina or after Katrina or whatnot. And, you know, I haven't had any in quite some time, probably since that time. But everything gets better with time, right? They, re, they, they, they figure out a way to put the very best of whatever and package it in the last forever, especially, you know, when it comes to MRE. All right, we'll get off the MRE conversation and get back to football. We'll step away <laughs> and come back, and we'll uh, visit with Jimmy Smith of TigerDetails.com. Next here on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWL. Herb Tyler, Herb TZ, Chef Boy RD, whatever nickname he tried to tell me it was it was a couple minutes ago. I'm Christian Garrick back here on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. We welcome in now Jimmy Smith, publisher of TigerDetails.com. And Jimmy, we were giving cooking tips. That's where we're at right now. Uh, last segment, we were giving cooking tips from MREs. Um, so that's where we're at right now. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You could have told me ahead of time that I had my wife tune in. Yeah, well, it was really just very elementary and, you know, um, wasn't very complicated. That's, have you ever eaten an MRE, Jimmy? I have. After Katrina, I uh, came down, did some work down here, and uh, was blessed to be able to eat some MREs. Uh, very interesting. I don't think they do those heat-up packets anymore. Is that correct? I think people no, are injuring do. themselves. So no, they, they do. do. Okay. Yeah, I got I got a heater, and well, I'm not going to share this on the air just because it's dangerous. But there, that heater can do some pretty amazing things, to be honest with you. But I'll yeah, I'll leave story. that alone. Yeah, I'll tell you that off the air, you and her. But uh, anyway, uh, getting back to uh, LSU and McNeese tonight, it's father versus son. Coach O against his uh, quarterback. His son is the quarterback, Cody, of uh, McNeese. And Herb and I were talking about this earlier. Vince, you, I mean, uh, Jimmy, you've got a son. Could you coach against them at the major collegiate level and, and have no mercy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'd game plan to take him right out of the game. You know, we're not, no cheap shots. We're not going rough. Um, but, yeah, I absolutely could. And I think I come from a very competitive family. I mean, we, we'll probably be gambling Yahtzee tomorrow before the Saints game, right? I mean, honestly, that's kind of how my family is. So, yeah, I would absolutely uh, have that. And it's not just the Orgeron. See, a lot of people don't know Corey Raymond's son, Chris Raymond, is a wide receiver from McNeese as well. So That's there'll right. be two coaches coaching against their sons. Um, and then you have Frank Wilson, the former assistant recruiting coordinator at LSU. Uh, first first college job for him was under Ed Orgeron at Ole Miss. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of ties here between these two programs, which makes for an intriguing thing. If you're in the prep into the prep football scene in Louisiana, this is definitely a good game for you to watch. Jimmy, 20-year um, anniversary of 9-11. Where were you? What were you doing 20 years ago on this day? Sitting in awe, um, contemplating a lot of how I viewed life, and, I mean, just going through the roller coaster of emotions. I was in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh roommate worked a night shift, I'm um, handling mail and came in and 
I think I think his presence woke me up and turned on the TV. And I mean, it was shortly after they were just putting up footage after the first uh, plane, and just watched it from there and in awe, you know. And and it really made forced me and it forced a lot of us to to really. Um, look deeper than ourselves and how we how we viewed our country um, and, and a lot of things in between, right? It was a very trying part for our entire country, and I certainly felt it. And, and at that point, I was even motivated to consider joining the armed forces. I remember that week following uh, just wasn't the right time for me in my life. Sometimes I, I kind of wish I would have um, just, you know, to be able to do my part and have that experience. But I didn't, and I'm glad for the people that did. Jimmy Smith of TigerDetails.com, yeah. publisher of TigerDetails.com here on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. And, Jimmy, uh, LSU and, and Coach Ed Ogeron are 5-6 and six since winning the national championship. Is he on the hot seat, mm-hmm. and do you think his players are, are buying in, or are they, are they not bought in? I think the players are bought in. Um, I'll start with your second question first. Uh, I do think the players are bought in just from talking and listening to the way the guys are talking. They love their new coaches. Seems that they were on board and they had high expectations coming into this year. Certainly a different vibe than I've had in recent years from that group. Um, Now, as far as the hot seat talk, I really didn't buy it coming into the season. But I think after the performance against UCLA, which is a pretty good team, but it's not an SEC power type team. This isn't Georgia. This isn't Alabama. Uh, might be a top 20 caliber team, m- not much better than that. And they absolutely dominated you um, on a national TV in the year where you were supposed to to really uh, have a shot to contend. So I think viewing that and seeing, you know, how far off LSU was from UCLA in that contest, yep. Uh, yep. you know, kind of lends to one thinking, how much better can this get this year? And when you take that into account, Absolutely. I think he's on the hot seat moving forward. I think there's a bad taste in a lot of fans' mouths, um, you know, and unfortunately for him, uh, his hiring was never fully accepted and rallied behind by the entire LSU crowd. There's always been a, a group of, of, of fans that weren't behind it. Of course, they're excited about 2019. That hushed a lot of that, but that is resurfacing now. They, this team has struggled five and six in the last 11 contests. 2019, mm-hmm seems like seasons ago when in fact it was not that far ago so uh yeah i think he's definitely on the hot seat right now okay jimmy so let me ask you this so let's talk turkey all right so you mentioned something about these guys uh you know ucla not being a powerhouse sec team but being a really good team Mm -hmm. let me ask you this question straight up how good are we how good really are our players Based upon our, you know, the I guess the recruiting classes that we've had, all the number, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you know, four star, five star guys, are we, are we, are these guys really that good? Are they overrated? Do you think there's something else missing? What's your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Now, I think when you really start to dissect this roster, I mean, it's easy to get caught up in the stars, right? I think according to the composite, I think they're the fifth most talented team by star ranking in the country in college football. Um, you know, and some of that can be misleading. Some of these guys are overranked, some are underranked um, and undervalued. So I don't, 
but I don't think that's the issue. The talent's definitely there. If you go position group by position group, I mean, you've got two, maybe three NFL defensive ends in your rotation right now. You've got multiple probably future NFL guys, and you're too deep at the tackle position. You've got, um, you know, a probably a top 10, top 15, top five pick and Derek Stingley at corner, another future possible first rounder opposite of him. You've got Kayshawn Butte, who looks like um, the next Jamar Chase caliber receiver, you know, kind of early in his career to maybe peg him as such, but certainly looks to be on the way to potential first, second round ability. And, and I mean, when you start looking at it from that perspective, I mean, it, the talent's there. Right. I, I don't think you can find more than a handful of teams in the country that can rattle off names and potential draft picks like like I just did. And I left a, half of them out. So right. I think the talent's there. I think at this point, um, with all the coaching changes, you have to wonder if the development has been there for some of these guys. Go. Right. There you go. And, and and then them buying into the scheme and being comfortable within the scheme. I mean, if you're a defensive player right now, this is the third system you've been in in, in 24 months. Uh, that's rather difficult, right? And offensively, you're going back and forth as well. So right, um, right. I think there's, there's probably a lot going on here. Um, I, I don't think talent's one of the issues, though. This is one of the most talented teams in the country. So the last Jimmy thing Smith. you said is exactly what I think it is. It's just not the, the, the lack of continuity with the offense and defensive coordinators. And then, you know, it, mm-hmm. it really takes a toll on you. And we just we got to get that fixed. And we need to hire some guys that's going to be there and stay there, and that's going to really develop these guys into what they need to be. Yeah, it, it's it's difficult. See, it's very difficult um, when you're changing schemes like that. I mean, you want guys to play instinctively and not have to think. And the best way to do that is, is diving deep into that playbook, knowing inside and out all of your responsibilities, to, um, regardless of the look, regardless of how you're pressed, you understand what you're supposed to be doing. Um, that comes in time, right? I mean, this team's only a handful of months into their new coordinators, and they're learning on the fly still, and they're working out these kinks on the go, uh, whereas you take a UCLA staff that returns most of its members in the same offensive system and so on with 10 returning starters on defense. Um, you know, that's two different deck of cards, right, that these these teams were playing with. So, uh, yeah. you know, for – Ed Orgeron's sake, he hopes to win enough to allow that continuity to build within the coordinators and the players and to carry over these systems, and then you'll probably see success, more success in the future if, that's ha- if that happens. And look, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is that the same that thing that Nick Saban does, right? Let's say, let's just, and I hate to bring Nick up in Alabama, but mm-hmm. Nick's had several different coordinators, whether it be offense or defense, over the past four or five years, but what's been consistent is the system. The system has never changed, and they recruit specific mm-hmm. people for their specific offense and defensive uh, systems. And I think that's what puts them above, the, you know, not just that, of course, many, many other things, but put them on a different level because then those guys get to stay in that one system forever, and they never, ever really change it. They just make adjustments per game, correct? Yeah, and I think and that's, a, a, that's a very good point. And, you know, what Nick Saban does is rather unique. Um, they run their, their coverage the way he likes it as a secondary coach, and that's the system, and that's the coverages they're going to run, and they're going to develop the system around that, whether it's three-man front, four-man front, or different. How they handle their run fits might change a bit, but for the most part, those coverages defensively are the same, and the way they're coached are the same. And offensively, they keep a lot of the same elements moving forward, you know, from, from 
regime to regime, who, regardless who the offensive coaches are and who the quarterback is. You see the, the run-pass option, the RPO heavy, the, the, a lot of similar elements. You might see different route combinations and different things at the top of routes that you didn't see. You know, Sarkeesian brought out yeah. some, some nice wrinkles that we didn't see in previous, yeah. and Lane Kiffin did some of the same, but the foundation of the offense is very similar. Motions are similar. Uh, formations are similar. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it allows some of that continuity, even though you have new faces and new names and new voices, um, you know, coaching these kids, they still understand the concepts uh, that are being taught. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something that one of the things I heard was that, you know, instead of having all of the kids, you know, a hundred something kids or whatever that number is on offense or defense, learn the new scheme of the coach to have the one guy, the coach learn the scheme of the school and then add the wrinkles in kind of like what you're saying. Awesome. Great point. Jimmy Smith, a publisher of TigerDetails.com. Jimmy and Herb, here's where I stand, really. I don't see a, a clear-cut leader. And I'm talking about from the players. And you, you, in a team mm-hmm. dynamic, I know people would say, well, wh- what about the coaches? How, how come they can't lead? They can to a degree, but at some point on any great team, the players take ownership within the locker room and within the team. They lead. And that 2019 team had so many of them, I mean, starting with Joe Burrow. <laughs> And others, uh, but yeah. they don't have that. And, and Max Johnson's in a in a precarious situation because he's three games into his career. He's still trying to figure some things out himself. So in order to lead, you mm-hmm. have to have skins on the wall. You have to have experience. You have to have uh, um, the ability to say, "Look, I'm I'm playing at a high level." Max Johnson's not playing at a high level, so he can't really call anybody out or hold anybody accountable. And typically, the quarterback is uh, position is where you you need the most leadership. He's typically the guy, the top leader on, on a team. I'm not saying he's the only leader, but I, I just don't think they have a leader. No, I think that's a very good point. I think if you go through past LSU teams, especially the, the successful ones, it's easy to point out those guys. You know, even the mm-hmm. 2019 team, we can say Devin White on defense, Joe Burrow on offense. I mean, you might not have needed much more than that. And there was plenty more um, leadership within those groups. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a great leader, and a lot of the guys on along the offensive line, there was a ton of leadership within that group. And even the past Les Miles LSU teams that were great, whether it be Honey Badger and Leonard Fournette, a lot of these guys were vocal and held their their teammates accountable and, and, and came to work with a with certain expectation and forced others to, to follow those leads. And like you said, skins on the wall. Yeah, you can be vocal and you can have leadership traits, but if you haven't performed and you haven't earned those stripes, not everyone's going to rally behind you. And to Max Johnson, here's a guy that's coming out of QB battles, right? I can promise you there's a lot of people on that team that believe in Max Johnson, but there's also teammates that thought, you know what, I kind of like the other guy more. I think we'd be better with the other guy. So he's still trying to earn their trust both on the field and off. So he is in that precarious situation where it's difficult for him to be assertive and to make demands of his teammates. And so I think they're still trying to find an identity on both sides of the ball and an identity in that locker room. It was a great point you brought to the table, Christian. Yeah, the other thing, I'm going to play off what you just said uh, about the quarterback battle and ended up going to Max Johnson because there was no battle when Miles Brennan broke his arm. And I think that Coach O may have created a problem here with those that had played with Miles in the past and had seen Miles wait his time behind Joe Burrow and, and, and learn quite a bit. And you saw him play last year. He got injured. Um, but he was playing well at the time that he got injured. And I think some players probably felt like, hey, wait a minute. You're doing Miles Brennan wrong there, Coach O. And, and that doesn't – players don't forget that. Players don't look past that if they feel like 
you're making the wrong decision by even making Miles Brennan compete with a guy that won. Again, it was it was a big game against Florida. No, don't get me wrong, but won just two games last year. As a starter, you're basically saying uh, he's he's going to be the, in a quarterback competition with Miles Brennan, who has more skins on the wall. I don't think that sits well with yeah. players. Yeah, and if you're trying to be the player's coach, right? And I think we've had these discussions on your program before and, and how it's it's difficult to connect and adapt to today's player, right? You need more of the player's coach types, and, and those are the type of things um, they expect from coaches. Be, we've been true to you. We've been loyal to you. Miles Brennan's had ample opportunities to transfer and so on. So I'm sure there are players within that locker room that view it exactly as you laid out and thought, he's earned this. Why are we even having this discussion? Um, we should be rallying behind our guy right now. Instead, we're dividing the locker room. And I've, I've heard, actually heard a couple of people saying that, that the, you know, that these quarterback battles tend to be a little divisive and, and divisive. And they were feeling that that was kind of taking place at, at periods of time throughout camp. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I think, you know, as you're trying to create that competitive competition, right, where you want all guys pushing each other, um, there's always, you know, uh, consequences laying on the back end that you might not be looking at, and this is one of them where you kind of create this divide and create that doubt within some of your players. I can tell you right now, Herb, you may disagree with this, Jimmy, you too, but based on what I saw Saturday, and again, Max Johnson was under constant duress, but that quarterback battle would have been won by Miles Brennan. Yeah, it's hard to argue based off of what we saw last Saturday, right? Um, right. I mean, going right. off the two games last year, I expected to see something different this Saturday. Did see a guy that looked a little rattled who was playing, moving backwards the entire game. Even when there were opportunities to step into his throw, he was shooting fadeaways. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be hard to argue against your point. I think Miles Brennan, based off of what we saw, would have definitely had a chance to lead this offense because um, Max Johnson didn't make that statement on the field saying that, you know, this is his team. You're right, and I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off of that, too. When you saw Miles Brennan play last year early, those first three games, you know, he, in my opinion, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the in the nation. Unfortunately, he got hurt or injured, and he couldn't play the remainder of the season. But what I saw last week, and Max didn't really – say he was the clear-cut better guy i know when i saw miles play he could he, he could see the field a little bit better he wasn't rattled he would make the check downs he would also get rid of the ball on the hot routes or hot reads whenever the blitz would come so that was a that was a difference I, that's what i could see and then i also know that here's the other thing miles has been through it all literally like he hadn't played it all but he'd seen it all so he saw joe burrow come in and be the greatest quarterback ever you know, he's seen all of his ups and downs himself. So he's been in all of these different stadiums and all of these different atmospheres. And I think that he would be able to, you know, withstand being out in California in that situation during a hurricane, traveling and all this other stuff. I think he would have held it, you know, I guess um, held it together a little bit better than Max did and then maybe have a better showing. Listen, I, I'm not trying to trash Max Johnson. I think Max Johnson's we're going to be a, a good quarterback. Let's make sure we didn't say that. We're not doing that at all. That's right. Yeah, I mean, at I all. just think that I think that it, it's very clear who, who the better quarterback is. The unfortunate part about it is that quarterback's going to be on the sideline tonight still nursing a, a broken arm in a freak accident this offseason. That's that's who the better LSU quarterback is. And, and I know and look, there's no Max, other choice. 
Max is still literally in his, you know, he's only been there for a year now total probably, right? Am I correct? Mm-hmm. And he, didn't he yeah. come in last year at, during the, I guess, the, um, the second half of the year or whatever? Not year, but, you know, school year. Am I correct mm-hmm. on that? I think you are correct. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, he's not been even in college long enough to, well, not, let me not say like that he hadn't been there long, but, but Miles has. And, you know, and I think that, you know, all of those little things, you either had so what would have helped Max is exactly what you said, Christian. If he'd had some leadership from anybody else on that team, that would have helped him because then he would not have to be the end all be all. And you know, when I came in and I played as a true freshman, I remember having you know Gabe Northern, um, um, Ben uh, uh, Ben Borderlawn, um, you know, just just Chuck Wiley, a bunch of different guys, you know, Tory James, all of these guys were leaders already, Pat Rogers, and, you know, just they were leaders and they were leading the team. I didn't have to do that. All I had to do was facilitate and make sure I didn't screw up, right, <laughs> and and just continue to, 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 to show them that they could believe in me, be tough, make the right decisions, put the ball in the right people's hands, and then just, you know, show some sort of a leadership by my play and not by my, my, my word of mouth or whatever, by word. But after those guys left, then I had to step up in that type of role. So I understand what it takes. But I think that this season, Miles Brennan would have definitely been this one particular game. Let's say that I think he would have definitely had a little bit better showing. Not that Max didn't have a great, a good game or anything. He had a solid game, but he could have been better. Yeah, and I think another piece for me here is if you're LSU's coaches, Max Johnson's what he brings a little more athleticism, right? And if you're going to run the RPO and and those things, where was that? That wasn't even in the game plan. We didn't see any of that. There were no QB draws. They didn't use. So if that's not going to be an element of your offense, then clearly the more advanced passer coming in was Miles Brennan. So even adds a little more confusion to the situation is why were you viewing it this way if you had no intentions of using it this way? To put it in perspective, I think – you know, the reason why Max Johnson can't be the leader that I'm sure he wants to be but knows he can't do yet, it's like having that neighbor that ultimately uh, their, their yard looks bad, but your yard looks bad, right? Cut your grass. No, well, you cut your grass. Your, your house isn't in order, so you can't hold my house in order. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the equivalent of it. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. I got to cut my grass tomorrow just so you know. <laughs> hey, my yard just got tore up from the bobcat in it, so I don't even know how to cut this grass moving forward. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Jimmy Smith, publisher of TigerDetails.com. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, guys. Y'all take care. Have a good one. All right, you too, Jimmy. Thank you, man. All right, this is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWL. Man, I was looking forward to seeing some Golden Dome tears from Notre Dame. Toledo had the lead. The Fighting Irish just took the regained the lead. 30-29 to 29 with a minute and about nine seconds left to go in the game. I was, man, I was hoping that Toledo could pull off that win over Notre Dame. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. Herb Tyler, Christian Garrick back here on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Tiger Tailgate and show other scores from around the country. Earlier today we saw number 12 Oregon knock off the third-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. Much to my pleasure to see <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> Yeah, that's my delight. Thirty-one nothing at halftime. Alabama leads Mercer. That's how you do uh, it, baby. That's how you do yeah. it. Yeah. Second ranked Georgia, forty-one to nothing over UAB, University of Alabama. 
Eight forty-two to go in the third. There, Long Island. It's not Long Island, by the way, um, Herb. It's Long Island. You gotta, Long you, Island. You pronounce it. Yeah, Long Island. That's how they say it up there. Uh, West it's Virginia like leading Island, Long. Right? Yeah, West Virginia leading Long Island at the end of the first quarter, twenty-one to nothing. And um, we'll get you some more scores as they start to trickle through. But uh, Notre Dame, man, they just they went for two. They got it. So it's thirty-two twenty-nine over Toledo, the Fighting Irish leading by three, about a minute to go in that game. And I just wish that the Fighting Irish would have gotten upset. Anytime Notre Dame loses and Ohio State in the same day, man, how good would that be? <laughs> well, you know, I told you this already. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Notre Dame fan. Always have been, always will be. Tony Rice, you know, Ricky Waters, um, you know, the Rocket Ishmael, Coach Lou Holtz, all those guys. Tim Brown. I mean, I, yeah, Tim Brown. I, I grew up on that in that era, right when they won the championship. That one championship, what '88, and um, you know, ever since then, I always wanted to play there and always wanted to be a part of that, but never got an opportunity. But I did play there while playing for LSU, and we lost, but we we put up a violent effort, um, uh, you know, just a valiant effort. I'm sorry, and you know, it was it was something that that I never forget. I enjoyed every moment of it. Got a chance to see touchdown Jesus and all of that. That was great. However, um, at the end of the day, Ohio State lost, and that's what I'm looking for. I love the fact of that. So we're we're at least one out of two on that one, Christian. Let's say that. I've never been and never will be a Notre Dame fan. I've always thought they were overrated uh, here lately, in particular mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, I did respect I Lou Holtz uh, I, and those teams that he had. I was winning national t- champions championships. They 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 were legit. They were the best in college football. Them and them in uh, Miami at the time in that Miami. era, so to speak. But yep. uh, I love when the Golden Domers lose, just because how elite that fan base thinks that they are, and they're year in and year out uh, overrated. And when they do make the college football playoffs, they tend to get embarrassed, and they just—I don't know—they just get overhyped. It seems like you know they're the, the Dallas Cowboys of college football. Just they, <laughs> they, they fight so hard to be relevant. Everybody trying to pushes them to the top to be. They want them to be relevant. But they end up disappointing. They're eight, they're ranked eighth in the, in the country, so we'll see if they end up working their way into the college football playoffs. But they survived, or are surviving a scare right now. They're leading uh, Toledo, 32 to 29 in about the fourth quarter with about 50 seconds left to go. Texas A&M early, or excuse me, not early. Uh, Colorado right. is leading Texas mm-hmm. A&M in the third quarter, 6:57 remaining. Seven to three. What's going on with A and M's offense? It looks like they're quarterback short, man. I mean, it just it's it's, it's they're struggling and they they miss. I forgot. I mean, I'm drawing a blank. What's uh, Kellen Kellen? Um, what was his name? Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond. They're missing him. He, I mean, it seemed like he's been there for 12 years, right? Um, and they're definitely missing that right now. And so you know, we'll see. We'll see where they end up at the end of this game. Colorado is a good team, though. Once again, that's one of those. You know, SEC, you know, teams going to match up against the Pac-12 at the Pac-12 house, and this is what's going on right now, you know? It's crazy. All right, we will step away and come back and wrap up the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. It's LSU and McNeese tonight at 7 p.m. right here on the home of the Tigers, WWL. Herb and Christian here on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. Wrapping up the program in a few moments, but final thoughts, Herb, for you, or from you, I should say, on LSU and McNeese, what do you want to see tonight? I know effort is one yeah, of them. Definitely effort. That's the first thing we're looking for. Just, just I want to see the guys have fun. I want to see them fly around the ball. I want to see them just 
put forth and, and, and show the reason why they were recruited by LSU um, and, and why they chose to go to LSU. That's that's the first things first. But I want to see also the coach's effort as well to put these guys in the best situation possible, um, you know, make some adjustments, um, be creative with the, the play calling in regards to the run game as well as formations. Um, you know, let's let's make sure these guys are communicating on defense in regards to whether it's a man or zone or, you know, crossing routes, who's covering who. Let's just not leave guys wide open. Um, and I want to see them bounce back from, from last week. You know, it's been a tough week for them to hear all of the national criticism, the local criticism, all of that. So what do you do when, you know, you get punched in the face or you get knocked down or you get pushed in, you know, into a corner? What do you do? What are you going to do? This, I think this, this game can be a catalyst to, to lift them to, to a, a much better season um, than what last week looked like it would take them to. So, um, that, you know, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, individually, I like to see our run game, like any one of our running backs, have a really good game. I like to see our offensive linemen push some people off the ball. Um, you know, defensive linemen actually do what they said they would be doing. Um, you know, one of the things I heard after last year's, last week's game was that a lot of people were banged up. Just They just got physically beaten up. And, you know, that's what we should be doing to a, a McNeese, a school like that. We should physically beat them up to where they they feel like they've been in a car wreck after that game, period. And it's not in a negative way or in a, you know, unsportsmanlike way, but just with between the whistles and you do what you do. So that's what I'm looking forward to. So I'm hoping this will be a game that we can say, look back and say, okay, they this was a catalyst to get them into the season that we wanted them to be in. Um, toward the end of the season. So I'm looking for, you know, at least 35 to 40-point win. Easy. And, Herb, one of the things for me is you're going to be in the stadium, Tiger Stadium, some for the first time tonight in their careers. Yep. And you're going to have fans sometimes, I mean, for the first time since 2019. Last year, some of those guys played in Tiger Stadium but didn't have the fans there. So there should be plenty of energy um, in, in that building, and, and they should feed off of that energy. I want to see them communicate better defensively, in particular a linebacker. They, they haven't communicated very well, and my concern, though, is and you know this, Herb, man, as coordinators, some of these coaches, they know so much, right? They, they know the game so well that they can out-coach themselves, and what I mean by that is teach stuff that's too complicated for them to understand because they understand it, but the players might not. And th- that's what I want to see. Is that, is that stuff going on? Has that been corrected? And McNeese is going to have a counter for whatever their game plan is, LSU's game plan is. I want to see, does this staff have the ability to adjust? I, I, I question that only because I didn't see it last week when you could clearly tell that they needed to make an adjustment against UCLA, and they did not. So i got to see a couple of, of those things play out tonight. And Coach O is right when he said uh, earlier in the week on Sports Talk that you know, it's one game, and you still have a chance to, to have a, a very, very um, – nice season and the season's not lost it could still be a good story this season even after that loss and he's right they have that they still have that opportunity all is not lost but i gotta see a lot i gotta see a lot of improvement and that's where the race to improve usually occurs in college football in between weeks one and three one and four teams look vastly different than they did in week one that's right couldn't be said any better 
Herb, look forward to it, man. It's good to be back on the yes, air sir. with you in a uh, full-time capacity. Looking forward to many more. That's right. Same here. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. I'm Christian Garrick. Simplify. I'm out. Herb, do your thing, man. God bless you all. I love you all. And go Tigers. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.